Hello, hungry listener. Welcome back to Breakwater Sausage. This is episode three. Hi, Chris. Talk. I'm not your your seeing eye monkey. You can't just tell me to talk. I'm sorry about that, John. Um, you just you're naturally authoritative with um, the technology. So as soon as I saw it was ready, I just people people think I'm quite authoritative, but I think that's because I'm tall. It might have something to do with it. Do you think when I'm sat down that goes away? Because I'm quite. I I call myself slender. Um. Yeah. I'd, I'd call uh, slender. I call you slim. Yeah, yeah. As a nickname. <laughs> That's in slim shady. Yeah, yeah. You know how Will often, you please stand up? Do you, do you know how often <laughs> I would get when I first bleached my hair? You're like, oh, you've got the M and M. I'm like, my hair isn't a buzz cut. I don't know what you've seen that you think M and M looks like, but he doesn't have this haircut. Doesn't because I'm white and I've got bleached hair. Oh, it's M and M. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> be- brilliant. Could be anyone else that fits into that category, couldn't just, it? Just call me H from Steps. That'd be, that'd be funny. <laughs> I take that. Ian Watkins. Is that his real name? That is. Which why, he why, why is he called H? Is my natural curiosity kicking in. I do believe his name is Ian H Watkins. Right. Uh, I don't know what the H stands for. Let's just assume it's H. Um, who unfortunately shares the name Ian Watkins with yeah. probably Britain's most yeah, famous paedophile. Absolutely. <laughs> The very worst, the very worst. Literally. And I'm talking about H from Steps when I say that. The yeah, very yeah. worst. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, uh, he got attacked quite uh, mercilessly on Twitter when that first story first came out. Really? Yeah. He was just like, it's not me. Yeah. And Twitter was quite quite young then because uh, that was, what, 2013 maybe? I want to say it was even earlier than that. May have been earlier. Yeah. May have been earlier. Maybe the back end of 2012. Hmm. But this isn't the podcast about famous pedos. So, <laughs> Thankfully. That's, that's something else. That's on a different day. <laughs> that's in the pipeline. <laughs> We're talking breakfast. We're back again. Yeah. It's breakwater sausage. It is. It's. It, 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 sorry, yeah? Uh, it is breakwater sausage. <laughs> Just, Number three? Number three. The big three. It is the big three. What's after? It's a magic number. What's after the sophomore? You've got, you got the. <laughs> what's? <laughs> you got the first album, yeah, and you got the difficult sophomore. Difficult sec- yeah. Why? Well, yeah, difficult second. Is there a third? Is there a third term after sophomore? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay, well that segue is just. If we get to the third derailed. one, and um, people are consistently listening, yeah, that's just for our own personal vanity. It truly it is. Yeah. Um, we have then two episodes on our hands. One where we had a very in-depth scoring system. Yep. One where we just completely freeformed it. Yep. And now this one. Yeah. Based on your own views and feelings and those that you may have heard, what do you think we do moving forwards? Um, I think we continue with free-forming it. Mm. Um, we're not applying it. We're not applying scientific uh, uh, formulas here, are we? Mm. It's not going to be peer-reviewed. No, that's true. <laughs> we don't put it in a journal. It's going to be peer-reviewed, but we're not putting it in a journal. The Journal of English Breakfasts. 
<laughs> if there isn't one, sucks. then it, it's about time one was, uh, you know, one was one was thought of. And I feel like that's something I could dedicate an evening to. Yeah, it's creating the Journal of English Breakfast. What would we have on the uh, on the on the front cover? I don't know, an artistic sausage. An artistic you know, sausage. Because it wouldn't it wouldn't be full on. It wouldn't look like a parish newsletter where you've just got everything thrown at it. <laughs> It'd be like the New Yorker, and it would just it'd be the the idea of a breakfast condensed into its simplest format. Yeah. A line art of a sausage. Yeah. That doesn't in any way look like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Who does the uh, covers of Time magazine? Uh, I assume it's con- consistently different photographers. Yeah. They sometimes have uh, like cartoon representations oh, of, true, yeah. of people as well, don't they? Oh, I'm just thinking of the person of the year ones. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't read Time magazine. I don't have the time. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm here all week. <laughs> yeah? No. <laughs> what do you think, before we get into the breakfast, mm. uh, Time Person of the Year, Yeah. does that frustrate you when people get annoyed at the idea of, oh, have you heard Donald Trump is Time's Person of the Year? Yes. Did the person annoy you or Time Magazine annoys you? Probably both. Okay. <laughs> um, person of the person. What they mean is famous person of the year, don't they? Mm. They don't mean those. Doesn't mean it's a good thing. No, it doesn't. No, you're it's like quite the loudest right. person of the year. It is. That's pretty much what it is, isn't mm. it? In which case, it would probably consistently be Donald Trump, wouldn't it? Mm. On account of the fact he's possibly the loudest person in the world. I don't know how many Twitter followers followers he's got. Um, too many, arguably. Too, too many, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you never hear of um, President Xi of China being put forward as the uh, as the first time, time uh, magazine person. Consistently snubbed yeah. the yeah. award he so righteously deserves. Because <laughs> um, it always makes me laugh when people have that conversation online and then it's just like, well, did you know that Hitler was Time's person of the year at one point? And a mate of mine made the comment of, well, if there was someone who was doing more that year, then let me know. <laughs> Clear my diary. Fair, yeah, to be fair, he'd done quite a lot. He was he was a busy bee. He was yeah. a busy bee. <laughs> right, let's not get sidetracked by, by politics, because that's not what we're here for. Keep politics out of sports. The politics of breakfast. Politics of breakfast. That's what we're here for. So where were we, where were we this week? Um, this week we were at uh, Colleen's. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just the most exquisite uh, position, I think. All three of the breakfasts we've been thus far have been beach side. Is that was that planned? Did that just naturally happen, or did Jersey only have cafes on the coast? <laughs> it feels as if it should, doesn't it? Mm. But um, no, I think it's, it's just the. Uh, it's a lucky coincidence mm. that we've had three breakfasts on three lovely days. Mm-hmm. Um, although the one in March was slightly less lovely, but um, the, the two that we've done since have, um, were on really lovely days, Very and true. that adds something to it. I think they were, we've we've eaten outside both times, which mm. which is uh, just an added bonus, isn't it? It is indeed. So tell me a little bit more about the location of Colleen's. Paint, um, paint the picture for me. Okay. Um, well, Colleen's is in a, a most beautiful bay, um, Greve de Lec, on the north, uh, northeast, uh, northwest coast 
uh, of Jersey, and it's uh, it's exquisite because it's at the bottom of a hill, um, and there are two roads lead, leading out of it that, that both lead it down to a, a really lovely um, lovely beach. It was one of the first beaches that I visited when I came to Jersey mm. to look at properties, and um, it's it, it reminded me very much of the kind of little coves that you get in um, in particular in Cornwall and uh, Cornwall and Devon yeah so it's not a broad expanse of beach that we that we have for example at St Juan or the Saint-Tropez-esque beach at St Bernard um, it's it's beautiful little um, almost like a like a little cove fair sized beach but it's um, but it, it because it's uh, on both sides there are high cliffs it's it's got that lovely sort of enclosed feel to it mm. and um a quite a long break breakwater um that curves around and colleen's is is right at the very end of it mm. so it's just uh, and it's literally across um a road um to the beach mm. so it's lovely it's an oft forgotten beach i feel because yep. it's it's almost a mission to find it because you almost don't stumble across it accidentally. Like you do, kind of have to know where you're going to get there, because it's it's the only beach between two bits of headland. So to find your way into it, um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Grebdelec. Would you like to know why? I'd love to know why. So in 2010, I'd gone out with some friends to another beach and had some drinks. It was a standard Jersey night. That night led on to what would be the iTex walk. Right. I don't know if it was the iTex walk at this point. It's forever the iTex walk, um, which is, for those unaware, a charity walk all the way around the island. And people often assume that such a thing is trivial, that this would take mere minutes (laughs) on an island so small. Uh, But the actual fact is that the walk starts at about that's something silly, like 1am or something, doesn't it? Yeah, it's some silly time in the morning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to then basically try and finish off at like, for the average person, it's like in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an entire day's walk all around coastal paths. It's, uh, you know, it's not as the crow flies. It's it's every nook and cranny around the island. It's up and down, isn't it? Lots and lots of up and, up and down. So me being me is I had been in actually uh, the beach by this recording studio we're in right now. Uh, And I was living in First Tower at the time. Been a little bit drunk, walked home, got home, realised that the iTex walk was due to start in an hour. Hadn't applied for it or anything, no sponsorship. And I just thought, I'll give it a go. So (laughs) I walked from mine to the harbour, which is another, let's call it, 20, 25 minute walk. Easily. To get there. Uh, Then just said, can I do this to a woman who was there? And she was like, have you got any sponsorship? Like, no. <laughs> just just for a laugh. Just for, Yeah, just, <laughs> just fancy it. Uh, so on my own with my iPod mini, uh, and I just did it. I just kind of set off, did the walk, right? Until I got to Grevdelec when I thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I am so tired. <laughs> my feet are in so much pain right now. <laughs> what was I thinking? And I remember because I was living at home at the time and my mum called me and was like, where are you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and she's just going, panic mode sets off. Like, what do you mean you don't know? 
Um, I was like, can you come and pick me up? <laughs> I'm Grev Delec. And so I sat there for a few minutes going, and the thing is, Grev Delec is halfway around. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm not making it back. Uh, and that is the longest I've ever done the ITEX walk. Oh. I got halfway. That's uh, that's still a fair distance because it's, it's almost the direct opposite corner of the island isn't it mm. to where you started yes exactly so so yeah. in theory yeah i'd done maybe let's call it three quarters and you'd done because you'd done all of the um you've done all of the cliffs on the north coast mm. theoretically at least um you'd probably done the done the most difficult part yeah i'm somewhat of a champion yes i'm i'm a huge <laughs> admirer thank you and to do it quite randomly like that yeah. Um, and turning up with, I'm assuming, not having done any practice. None. Probably substandard footwear. Yeah. Um, and effectively, yeah, you were you were just doing it for just, a laugh. Just cracked on. Yeah. Let's have a go. Let's, <laughs> why not give it, a, give it a try? Yeah. And that's it. Sometimes, I admire your get up and go, John. Thank you. Well, the thing is, I didn't really have to get up. I was already going. You were already... That, so I was, I was on... I, I was admire on, your go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so grab the leg... Whenever I come back, PTSD in a good way <laughs> is what I'll call it. Um, well, my... I, I'm similar to you. I have a soft spot for it. But okay. uh, as I mentioned, it was, it was one of the places that my wife and I visited when we came over mm. um, to kind of have a look at properties. We, we were already set on our move to come to Jersey at that stage. Um, and we were over looking for, um, looking for places to rent. And... Um, I think I'd read a guidebook or, or, or I'd looked online or something something on those kind of lines. And um we found ourselves we found ourselves at Grev and I was just absolutely really struck with it. It's beautiful. Mm. And it was a glorious day and you know, all of those things. And we we had mussels in the um in the pub there, the Prince of Wales, mm. overlooking overlooking the beach and we thought, Wow, this is a quite a place to live. Mm. Let's uh, let's come and live here. <laughs> let's just live here. Let's just let's just live here. Let's just get up and go yeah. to Jersey. Yeah, pack up our house. It's funny how different, like you said before, some beaches feel like they're from different parts of the world in Jersey. And for me, Grevdelec feels like quite a almost like a Bournemouthy Brighton kind of beach. Grev. Yeah. 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 In terms mm. of the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily the sand. Yeah, which yeah. is obviously a big proponent, but yeah, the sand is um, is is quite different there. Uh, some people call it builder's sand, don't they? Mm. A bit disparagingly, I've heard people say oh, it's builder's sand. It is perfect sandcastle material. Don't let those people turn you off. They do not turn me off. I am resolute in that the, the, it has the best sandcastle building sand in Jersey. Builder's sand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the beach is lovely as well because it. Um, it shelves out um, a little bit steeper than, than a, a lot of a lot mm. of beaches in Jersey, so um, you can um, you can start to swim properly mm. swim, not so far out from shore, mm. unlike some of the beaches where you have to walk. And there's a, it's also a spot for surfing as well. Yeah. Curiously, yeah. Um, when the um, when the conditions are right, it's a great little surfing beach. Mm. But we're not talking about beaches, surfing, or Anything else? Anything other water related? Well, we are, but uh, let's not. Let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's checkpoint that and let's talk about Colleen's The Breakfast. Yeah. Uh, 
Can you give me an itemized rundown of what was on the plate? I can, yep. Um, on the plate was uh, two rushes of bacon, back bacon, um, two fried eggs. Um, there were mushrooms, um, fried slice or fried bread, fried depending slice. on what part of the world you come from. I, I always called it fried bread, but I've heard it referred to a lot as fried slice. Um, two hash browns which I'm sure will be a topic of discussion at some stage, and the famous ramekin of beans. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking at a photograph of it, not because I needed to remind myself, but I always think it's quite nice to have a photographic record of breakfast. It is, absolutely. I even do it at home. And ironically, me, the photographer, isn't the one doing it. No, so <laughs> you always forget. I think you were halfway through it when I, I uh, by the time I'd taken that photo, like an eager child. That as soon as that is down, I'm getting on with this. Like this is my thing about <laughs> talking about butter and uh, and toast. Yep. I don't want to spend time buttering my toast. I want to get cracking. You know, I'm get into this. The uh, there was a there was a separate basket of toast. Yes. Quite a significant amount of toast as well. Mm. Great news for me because I love toast mm-hmm. and uh, as well as. Lots of butter, lots of jam, lots of marmalade. Mm. Um, fantastic value for money. I know we don't often start with, with the uh, with the with the price. It was, was it nine fifty? I think nine pounds. Oh, should know. Uh, should, um, perhaps we can come back to that. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll check that. It was in that in that sort. It was of, definitely less than a tenner. Less than a tenner. Yeah. yeah. Um, really substantial breakfast with a cup of tea. Oh, with a cup of tea. In fact, um, pleasingly, mm-hmm. especially for me as a tea purist, although I learned some disturbing facts about tea this morning, um, uh, th- that could form a whole new podcast, actually. <laughs> could do. <laughs> um, they bought, a, um, obviously, two, two cups and a pot of tea, mm-hmm. but also a pot of hot water. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you, have, you, know, you can get probably two and a half cups yes. out of that, which is important. Because that's always bought out prior to the breakfast. Mm. This is important for me, at least. Um, so when breakfast comes out, you can already have drunk yourself a cup of tea and then top up with a second. It's like a starter. It is like a starter. It's a liquid starter. Yeah, yeah. A lot to be said. So, aperitif. <laughs> Just going to let that... That was terrible. Just going to let it? that stay there. Just... Like, you can leave that hanging, aren't you? Yeah, You're okay I, with that? Oh, absolutely, okay. yeah. Right, I'll yeah. dead air that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recall, I don't think I had any of the toast. And my justification for that is not a, it is not a slight on the quality of the toast. It is that two hash browns and a fried slice, which is definitely the... The vernacular I like to use for that okay. because it just sounds funny mm. um, is more than enough carbs for me at that point. Yeah. To then then go on to toast like I've got to be a hungry boy that morning if I'm gonna gonna get add on another form of of bread. I was a hungry boy. Yeah. Um, and I think I snaffled three pieces of toast as well with marmalade uh, because it's that's like a dessert. Well, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. So the sweet the sweetness. It and it does it does finish off. What is an extremely fattening meal, mm. um, rather nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left there replete. Mm. Um, it was, 
Uh, yeah, you didn't eat. You didn't eat any toast, and you also left another item, didn't you, John? I did. Yeah. I, as established, I'm not a big fan of mushrooms. I just, I don't know, because we're not scoring anymore. It doesn't bother me as much. I did feel like, well, maybe I'm making making. I'm I'm kind of playing hard and fast with the rules here. <laughs> but you like mushrooms, so you're you're the jurisdiction on mushrooms. Yeah. You know. Very good so, mushrooms. There we go. They were, and, and we don't and need to talk about them anymore. The reason they were good, John, um, he said, plowing on regardless, um, is that they uh, they were all different sizes. Okay. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of uh, the uniform mushroom. Okay. I'm not a fan of uniform food. Anyway. How do you feel about beans? Beans, yeah, they're sl- slightly different. I've got you. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I've got okay, you dead okay. to rights. There, there are massive inconsistencies in what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. There is in or in lots of things that I say and do, um, um, but I, I like the fact that they were they were different sizes because mm. some were slightly slightly more done than others, and that just adds a little bit of interest. Okay, um, I'm, I'm the same with roast potatoes. Mm. No, I don't have to have uniform size roast potatoes. I'm quite happy for them to be that's, big sizes. That's true, actually. Yeah, because sometimes a big fat roasty that's very fluffy inside is lovely, but then sometimes to to curtail that with a small crispy. Yeah, a small you know. crispy that's that's slightly not overcooked, but it's more cooked than the others mm. on account of their size. How do you feel about chips then? Because I feel that whilst they can have a disparate size, I kind of do want them to be more or less the same size or or size girth crispiness i kind of want a uniform chip if i'm honest okay not completely it would be it would be mad if they were exactly the same i'm not looking for fries i'm talking about chips but it bothers me to no end if i buy a packet of frozen chips yeah pull them out and we're talking like a 20 centimeter chip yeah it's it's perverse. It's I don't know what it's doing. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like a it's like a finger, <laughs> you know. I like lo- it doesn't cook evenly. There's, there's something I quite like about that. I like the inc- I like the inconsistency of the size of chips, and I know we've slightly offered a tangent, but um, the inconsistency of chip sizes is is an indicator to me that they've been hand cut and they're, oh, and they're there. So they're mm. almost by association there they're, they're Nicer. That's a fair point. It's not always the case, but it's it because um, you know the 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 um, McDonald's type chips. Yeah, they're not actually they 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 are those things are extruded mm. from a uh, from a machine that um, that fires out lengths of uh, lengths of, of uh, I, I think I could be wrong. I'm not a food scientist, which is self evident. Um, the um, but I think they those are made from liquid or liquidized potato, um, which is then extruded out of a machine and cut at regular intervals, so mm. they are a uniform shape. I have no interest in that kind of tampering. No, I'm quite happy with somebody grabbing a good old spud mm-hmm. and cutting it um, so that you're using all of the potato. But some parts of the potato are a little bit thicker than others, or some parts of the chip are a little bit thicker than others because it's been cut from a different part of the potato. I find that visually and uh, yeah, visually appealing mm. and uh, appealing to the palate as well. I'm surprised I've never seen anyone take a full potato and cook it like a roast potato, like a jacket potato that is instead a roast. 
Just right. a big, crispy bastard of a potato. <laughs> I'm just surprised that that's not a more accepted thing. Are you familiar with a Hasselback potato? I'm not at all, and I'm fascinated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a Hasselback potato is um, a potato that you um, that you slice very thinly, not all the way through the potato. Mm-hmm. So... There's a there's a technique that I, I probably saw somewhere online, or because or, I'm not a trained chef, in the same way as I'm not a food scientist, but I like food. Um, you can put a cocktail stick just under, yeah. uh, just underneath the, uh, or, or or just from one side of the potato to the other, um, to prevent a knife going all the way through the potato. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, or you can put it in if if this. If you've got a spoon big enough and, the, and a potato that's the right size, you can put it into a spoon. That's mm-hmm. another way of doing it. And you cut seven-eighths of the way through, mm-hmm. or maybe 15 sixteenths of the way through the potato, mm-hmm. or six-sevenths of the way. Yeah. Whichever combination. You're, you're getting the message. Almost <laughs> yeah. all the way through yes. a potato. Um, uh, but you leave it, uh, you leave the bottom intact. You then uh, drizzle it in olive oil. And you um, and you season it, and it, some people put a knob of butter as well. Sometimes you can put a knob of butter halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, but the important thing is that you slice it really thin, in the same way as you do the potato for potato dolphin ones. Mm. I love spuds, mm-hmm. and um, you you put that in the oven and you roast it, and it comes out and and it starts it fans out. Oh. Uh, really good, really, really good as an alternative to your good old chip or your roasty or goes great with steak. Mm. Um, you should give it a try. That sounds lovely. It's a taste sensation. Wow. And if you put uh, just um, a few herbs on top, definitely definitely salt because potatoes without salt are like um, something that needs something else that hasn't got it, mm. um, which is kind of poetic. Mm. Um, and uh, And black pepper mm-hmm. and Robert as they say is your father's brother beautiful I did something somewhat similar but also in no way at all similar uh, <laughs> when I was at uni which is I got a frankfurter sausage uh, some dried pasta spaghetti stuck it through the sausage boiled it and that that was it <laughs> and it was disgusting <laughs> but I'd seen a video of like it was like something of like uh, like some mother's fucking channel like this is how you can make food fun and it was supposed to look like some kind of monster like okay. the sausage and then it had hair or something and it was just it was so disgusting and uh, you were an undergraduate at this stage i was indeed yeah okay that yeah. was me in halls yeah being like this would be fun yeah this, is, this, will, this will be a turn up for the books yeah <laughs> uh that didn't didn't really excite you no okay Probably won't figure up there in the top ten of Brent's favorite recipes. No, I'd leave it off my yeah. memoir. Yeah, of food. Um, so uniformity of mushrooms was a positive because they weren't all the same. Yes. So mushrooms, good. Mushrooms, good. Mushrooms, good. Okay, yes. fine. Good place Let's, to start. So I always think is. of mushrooms as an accessory. Yes, you know, well, they're, uh, yeah, because they're a supporting again, act, aren't they? They too? are indeed. Yeah. I think we've we've already spoken about the pillars of uh, of a full English, similar as well to the the five pillars of Islam. You know, it's the the five pillars of, of breakfast. 
<laughs> it's <laughs> so let's talk about the headliners. Let's talk bacon, sausage, and egg. Okay. Okay. You before we started recording, you had um you had some comments on the bacon. I did. Um it was perfectly tasty. Um but it was I'm just do you know and and to remind myself of uh, my criticism is um that the back bacon, the ear part of it, for those yeah. of you who are fans of this podcast. Little throwback. Yeah. Um the uh just the ear part of it, the fat on there wasn't wasn't quite cooked mm. um as much as the fat on the on the other part of it. So slightly inconsistent. So that ended up being cut off and put on the side whereas ordinarily I would have I would have eaten that, mm. but I didn't today um, because um, it, it, it wasn't visually appealing, and uh, and just eating fat is not, uh, you know, eating fat in that state is not is not good for you. Uh, sorry, it's not it's not good for you. Of course, it's not it's saturated <laughs> fat. Why would it be good for you? Um, but um, it wasn't. Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't. It just doesn't taste nice. Mm. Um, and the eggs could probably have done with. Just another minute. Mm. They were they were perfectly nice flavor, and you know those kind of things were, were perfectly nice. But I felt they could have done with another minute. Do you think with eggs, uh, and let's say the quality of an egg can be almost always positioned by the color of the yolk? Um, do you think that you could put a Dulux color chart? of great egg to good egg or does it take several color charts is there quite a wide gamut or because because those because the eggs for this breakfast are quite quite a pale yellow yeah and i would say the end goal is always quite a bright orange yeah now there's obviously quite a big leap in color between those two yeah um but do you think do you think how how many more color color uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say with this. Um, I didn't. I, 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 I some, started on it, and then I was like, "What am I even trying to say?" That's something I'm going to take with me next time as a color chart. <laughs> Please to, do to because uh, uh, that way I can use it for the tea as well. That's yeah. And, uh, people accept the tea one. It's a legitimate use of a color chart, I think. Mm. I'm not choosing paint. <laughs> No. But there's no reason why it can't. And I've got these color charts. I'm going to use them. I think the the um, during COVID we we uh, there was a there was a huge amount of the word repurposed. Yes. And I'm repurposing a uh, a color chart mm. for um, for anything that where there is a a range of colors that that can be described. What I'm trying to say is the eggs for this breakfast were they a single color chart, which is typically five swatches of color yeah was it a single color chart away from being a great egg or was there more of a distance it needed to go um i think it was i think it was on the same color chart as a um mm. uh, on the same color chart as a great egg mm-hmm. um i i tend not to get hung up about the about having a bright orange yolk mm-hmm. i think that's i'm sure there are there's food that they give to uh, they give to hens that ma- that makes them produce eggs that are of a, a different colour. Mm. I don't know whether the colour of a yolk. I'm not an expert in poultry in the same as I'm not a food scientist or a chef. Um, in fact, the list of things that I'm not is huge. 
it outweighs the things that you are. It absolutely does. Um, but the I'm sure there is something that they give to hens that mm. um, you know that that will that will affect the color of the, affect the color of the yolk. It's more about the flavor for me. I think mm. that's. that's um, I'm sure. I'm sure that is true. I also do happen to know that. Um, so where where my girlfriend lives, um, they have chickens and cockerels running about, right. running amok. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the um, the hens will will lay eggs just random places and just leave them. Um, so they just be like, oh, fresh egg. And she gave me a a box of these eggs at one point, and all the yolks were just such a bright orange that you right. just felt like this this is a healthy hen. Like this hen's not cooped up or anything. It's yeah. just it's running around doing its thing. Yeah. Um. So I I do think there is something in that the idea of if it is naturally orange, that's great. But you can off almost certainly chemically alter the color. Yeah. Uh, which is sad because because yeah. that's a lie. Mm. And that's that's not fair. There's a huge <laughs> amount of mendacity attached to our um, mendacity. To our food. Yes, um, attached to our food, isn't there? Um, it's very difficult to uh, it's very difficult to separate truth from uh, truth from fiction because everyone's trying to sell something. This is true. And it's... so advertisers are great at that, aren't they? Mm. Um, when I say advertisers, essentially liars. Um, uh, paid that, liars, uh, yeah, paid liars. Um, that uh, you know that attach attach feelings and attach things to uh, to objects or things that, and in particular in, in food, it's a it's it's a well known technique to associate um, uh, pictures, for example, or colours or feelings to to food mm. in order to in order to market it in in such a way that you that you want to buy it. And we're all you know everybody. It's not. It isn't just food, but it's. I think it's uh, potentially has more um, uh, mischief behind it when it comes to food. I don't mean mischief. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I was trying to think of an appropriate word. I wish you didn't um, mean mischief. Yeah. <laughs> tantalizing, scandalous food <laughs> lies. <laughs> but we. The way food is marketed, for example, is um, is, oh, yeah. is really um, you know it, it can be food can be so positive for our or our, our health or mm. detrimental to our health. Um, it's it's arguable whether it should even be advertised in the way that it's advertised. Mm. Well, I know it's had to go through a lot of um, regulations and rules now with advertising. So, you know. Within the last ten years, I believe, uh, if you'd seen an advert for Marks and Spencer's, let's just say, um, well, let, not let's just say Marks and Spencer's, because if I'm wrong about that, that's obviously yeah. a supermarket may advertise a roast dinner and the gravy that you see being poured over over the meat and the potatoes is actually engine oil, because that looks more appealing than gravy does in film. Um, ice cream would actually be mashed potato. Because it doesn't melt under the lights of um, of the studio, um, and all these little tricky things that you would just never know that the food you're looking at isn't real. Um, Those are absolutely fantastic examples, and it's interesting that you mentioned potato because mm. I happen to be reading the uh, food label on the side of a, these ready-made uh, granules, mm-hmm. Bisto granules, 
which are marketed beautifully as mm. rich gravy and so on and so forth. If you have a look on the side of um, on the side of a pack of uh, Bisto ready gra- uh, ready made granules that you just add, add mm. hot water to to make this uh, make this gravy, it's a uh, potato starch. Oh. Um, which gives it that. Um, I mean, there's there's beef stock in the in the beef ones and, and vegetable stock in the vegetable ones, etc. Um, but it's the, the the base material of it that makes it thick is um, is potato starch. Wow. And um, yeah, it's it, that's a that's an example of how um, food food is marketed in a, in a, in a particular way that, mm. that makes us that makes us want it, and it's quite far removed from from the truth but if somebody sells if somebody tries to sell you a car and they are they they market a car in a particular way um that hasn't got the potential to give you a heart attack it's it's a bit of a quantum leap but bear with me <laughs> yeah okay if if food fast food for example or, yeah. or, or um you know any of the any of the, the the junk food what is almost instantly recognized as junk food mm. is marketed in 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 such a way that you're inclined to eat eat more of it mm. um it can it, it leads to you know it, too much of it can lead to obesity it can lead to heart attacks and strokes and all of those kind of things and we are there's no question that there's a public health uh, crisis with with um you know obesity and type 2 diabetes and those kind of things and the finger's been quite firmly pointed at advertisers and there's 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 been talk of trying to regulate the way that food is advertised and so on and so Mm. forth especially to children especially to children because habits are born early aren't they Mm. um and um there was you know whilst i absolutely accept that there's there's a large element of um there's a large element of personal responsibility in terms of what you what you eat mm-hmm. um and if you know you should you should exercise some some self-control but when you're bombarded with messages um from a really early age about how tasty this is or how great that is and it's not really that surprising that mm. that, that tends to be a go-to option for um, especially for a lot of younger people i think well because especially when you think education is something you have to actively engage in to get the benefit out of adverts something that you absorb passively you like that's the whole subliminal thing you Absolutely. don't need to be paying attention but if someone's if there's just a burger in the distance you start thinking like, oh i'm quite hungry for a burger whereas the idea that someone could tell you about like the meat industry you have to pay attention to that you don't just naturally absorb that um I don't know where we're going with this. No, nor do I, nor do I. But <laughs> suffice it to say... Comedy breakfast podcast. This, <laughs> the food and drink industry is is uh, a, an enormous machine with vast amounts of, uh, of mm. money behind it and uh, has lobbied extremely strongly and quite effectively against much in the form of regulation mm. by, uh, by, by, by central government. That was kind of... Which uh, where I was going with that, I guess, which is I don't know. to say that your orange eggs might not be real. Yeah. So don't um, don't get all overzealous and excited if you get an orange yolk when you're out because it might be fake and you're a mug. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So there you go. Um, I eggs are a big, 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 big part of the breakfast for me. I love eggs. Yeah, love them, and oh. I will cut the white around the yolk 
until I'm left with a flavoursome forkful with a yolk probably split into two. So let's call it four bits of, of yolk yep. um, with two eggs. Um, are the highlights of the meal for me. Yes. Those are the bits that I, I work through the breakfast to. And when I get to that, that's 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 the real headliner. That's your goal, isn't it? It is, yeah. So it does matter. Um, the eggs need to be, in an ideal world, you cut them and they leak a bit, but not completely. And it's yep. quite a difficult egg to actually crack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so to speak, because I think you've got to be putting, you've got to be putting a certain amount of awareness into the eggs. In the same way that it's really easy to to burn beans, yes, you've got to be, you've got to keep an eye on them. You've got to keep stirring the beans. Um, and it's the same with with egg yolks. If you if you let that ball drop for a second, game over. Yeah, you know, um, and that's when you're getting a burnt egg, or or worse for me is, I don't even know what what the terminology is, but when an egg when the yolk is completely like solid, yes. It just rubbish. Yeah. is the word that I would use to describe that. Yeah. yeah. But likewise, I, I don't want to feel that when I cut into that egg, right, time's ticking. I've got to, I've got to be quick with these next two mouthfuls, especially if there's still beans there. Yeah. Egg yolk and beans mixing. Yeah. I don't want that. No. You know, I'll accept it as, as a, you know as a point of casualty of the breakfast that's just that's how things are going to happen there's collateral damage there's collateral damage yeah. exactly um, but not if if I've done one egg because I, I won't I won't wait until all the egg white is gone and then go for both yolks it will be one egg focusing on that get rid of the egg white then a yolk then we start for the second one so I don't want to ruin whatever is left on my plate by just having excess runny yolk going everywhere no i can see that yeah sometimes what i do is uh, and i i think i think i mentioned this in a in a previous podcast the um the this is where the toast comes in mm. um because when i'm at the stage that you're describing there most of the other components have been snaffled um uh so yeah often often a piece of toast will come in then dry toast mm-hmm. because um i, d- I don't Particularly want butter on it. It's 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 going to be it's going to be made moist by the um, by the yolk. Mm. Um, so I often use that as a. Uh, I was going to say a breakwater. It isn't a breakwater. It's uh, it's just it's uh, it, it just forms a little bit of a a little bit of a barrier between that and any beans that still remain on the plate. Mm. So uh, that just uh, mentioned that's how I that's how I tend to do it. Um. And I use very similar technique to your good self. I mm. cut off the cut off the uh, the white, and the white of an egg goes quite nicely with a with a um, with sausage. It does, I find. Speaking of, what do we think? Sausage. I liked the sausages. Two sausages. Yeah, two sausages. Um, normal sort of size. Not they weren't chipolatas. They weren't giant fat sausages. No, you know, like, they weren't big uh, like sausages. Yeah, um, yeah. The giant's fingers. Yeah, they weren't. Like La Robeline sausages. It's a local, the local, um, the local sausage. I'm looking at you, shaking my head. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. How many years have you lived in Jersey? At least twenty nine. Okay. Well, the fact that you don't know what a La Robeline sausage is 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 all the more surprising because of that. you know, it's they 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 do the cider. They sell the cider at, at things like the 
you know, any kind of event that's going on there, there's always lots and lots of food outlets, isn't there? The big sausages. The big sausages, and oh, they okay. do the cider with them as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, they're huge, aren't they? Yeah, they're massive. Massive snorkers. Well, they're massive. Yeah. <laughs> These sausages are scared, Chris. <laughs> these uh, these weren't like that. No. Because a sausage like that will be just out oh. of place, wouldn't it? Unless you're in Germany, <laughs> where you would just accept it. In which case, you wouldn't be eating a full English. No. Would you? You'd be eating a full European, maybe? or, or you, No, the, the reality is you'd probably be eating some sliced, some sliced cold meat, hmm. a hard-boiled egg... Um, some uh, probably a piece of cake, <laughs> Just a gatto, yeah, on the side. Goodness me! Uh, Sorry, I was just reflecting so, on that. <laughs> saw your eyes wander there. <laughs> I was imagining a German breakfast. Yeah, Getting Frust- quite angry about it. Frühstück, I believe they call it. Um, so, okay, yeah. So these big sausages, these were the same in in miniature. Uh, no. No, I think I missed the point when I was when I was uh, castigating you for not knowing what a La Robeline sausage is. Right. Um, no, these were these. What I was saying, they weren't like that. They were they were uh, just a regular sized sausage. Yes. Um, sausages are, are for some reason I don't know whether there's some food standards uh, legislation behind this, but sausages seem to be of a fairly standard size, don't they? Apart from the aforementioned. Yes. Yeah. For. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you go into Waitrose or somewhere like that, or yeah. or, um, or or any other supermarket, mm-hmm. sausages tend to be that sort of size, don't they? Yes, which, which for the uh, viewers, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know this doesn't work on on a podcast, but I'm holding up two forefingers to indicate. Hold that. Hold that thought. Have you got a tape measure? Yes, I do. This is this is just brilliant. I think your average sausage is that size. You think the average sausage is 15 centimetres? 15 centimetres, 6 inches for the for the British amongst us. Okay. For the post-Brexit British. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Is yeah. it? I, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it might be a, another wormhole that we've just fallen into. Mm. Um, but I'm... I think it would probably relate to the idea of value of a sausage. Yeah. Because uh, if you're buying a pack of sausages, a normal sausage is eight in a pack. Is it? I think so. Or is that Chipolatas? No, Chipolatas is like 12. I bought pack six in the other day. Yeah. But they're usually quite thick. Yeah. I think the sausages we had for this breakfast, if you were to buy those in a pack, you I think you're getting eight. Yeah. yeah. In two little plastic compartments. You know, that's, I think we've just invented a new uh, system of system of measurement there. Okay. Is it a is it a twelve, eight, or six sausage? And what we use to measure <laughs> with sausages? The pack. Okay. <laughs> right. See they they tend to come in these plastic trays now and i know we're getting dis- yeah yeah i know we're getting distracted again i when i was a kid the wall sausage mm-hmm. that was that was the king of sausages the flagship the sausage time, the flagship sausage indeed was sold in just in just a plastic wrapper with yeah four on the top and four on the bottom yes um you, which is why i'm probably thinking of eight yeah it could it could be yeah 
I'm going to check when I go shopping tomorrow for my sausages. Mm-hmm. I will have a look. There's something quite nice about those sausages, the Wolves one, packaged in a way that feels like a butcher has just wrapped them. That's and the- that's absolutely a part of food advertising. Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't even be shocked if that costs them more than to have plastic. Yeah, it could possibly do. It could possibly. Because it's not paper, it's plastic-coated paper uh, so that they can obviously transport it everywhere. And that's a marketing ploy yeah. to make you feel like you've just yeah. been in to see a, a hearty, red-faced um, chap with a blue striped apron and a white hat. Big smile, rosy cheeks, <laughs> about a month away from a cardiac arrest. But he's <laughs> loving it. And if you want to go in there and chat about meat, He's all ears. He will. He's turn. got ears. He's got you ears. You can buy and cook. <laughs> you can, and you can't make a, a silk purse out of them. No. In spite of the, uh, in spite of the famous proverb. Um, so, a Hillary Briss type character. Please, famous proverb. I am not aware of. Do you not know? No. You've never heard of the expression. You cannot make a silk purse from a sow's ear. No, this is brand new information I am, I am information extremely old. I am, I am 104 <laughs> next birthday. Um, yeah, you can't make a silk purse out of a sound's ear. Uh, is there a point, though, where proverbs just become nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> You're just stating the obvious. It's strange, isn't it? Because that's... You can't ride a cat to the moon. <laughs> Bloody... Sun Shao. <laughs> if you think of if you think of um, the expression "you can't polish a turd," yes, then it, it, it's exactly the same principle. You can't hmm. make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. But that's my point. At what point does the idea of presenting futility, futility through a proverb, just get? We've got enough. We don't need more. <laughs> and they're just like, let that one go through. Well, that that one that one's been around a long time, okay. which is why I can remember it because I'm because I'm 104 next birthday. Yeah. So yeah. did you come up with it? <laughs> <laughs> is that why you're bringing it up? Oh, would that I was that original that you no. created a proverb? No. That'd some some proverbs are, have been around since the Middle Ages. Have I, you ever heard the expression "a pig in a poke"? I have, and I don't know what a poke is. Ah, that, and that's that's. But great I know, it from, I know it from the Simpsons. I can elucidate. Um, Please. The um, a uh, a pig in a poke is, it originates from the um, from the Middle Ages, and a poke is an Anglo-Saxon word for uh, a sack. Oh, of course, bag. yes. Yeah. So you wouldn't buy a pig in a poke because you wouldn't know that it was a pig. Mm-hmm. For example, if you were buying it from if you were pig buying merchant. a lumpy sack. Yeah, a lumpy sack with something live inside it. Mm-hmm. You were going to take home and feed your twenty-seven children. <laughs> um, then you wouldn't. Um, then you wouldn't know if somebody had just given you a kitten, for example, mm. um, in a in a, a fat kitten. A fa- fat kitten, <laughs> <laughs> or or a, or a puppy. Yeah, a, a Lhasa Apso, for example. <laughs> um, so um, so you. You would always open the open the uh, the poke the sack yeah. and have a look to see what's uh, to see what's inside, and um, yeah, that so that's so and and that expression my mum used to say that mm. um, she was born in 1931 so uh, no it was obviously it was a, it was around a lot more in those days, but a pig in a poke yeah don't, so don't buy a pig in a poke mm. and don't look a gift horse in the mouth. What constitutes a gift horse? Um, a horse that somebody is giving you for a gift. I see. Or as a gift. Why wouldn't you look it in the mouth? 
Because I feel if someone gave me a horse, I would be curious about its dentistry. Why? Just if it's something I've got to get fixed. Okay. You know, you know, if if you buy a car or someone, it doesn't matter if it's got three legs as long as it's. I would. I would presume that that (laughs) is not the first thing I would inspect. And if I'd got up to its mouth, I'd be aware if it had enough legs. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be sure yet. <laughs> How many three. legs do you need? How many well, are necessary? Well, this is it. What am I doing with a horse? First, first of all, it wouldn't fit in your flat, John. It's not, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> and it's not really a gift. Gift feels like you know it's more of a burden. If <laughs> I mean, am I in charge of putting this horse down? If if needs be, I haven't got a gun. I've, got, I've barely got anything heavy. I probably have to hit it with my car. <laughs> you know, so. You want to dent your car, let's face it. No, um, but can you sell horse teeth? If I if I was if I had a horse <laughs> yes. and I wanted to give it to you as a gift, because uh-huh. uh, I couldn't be bothered looking after it anymore, right? Uh, and I thought, who can I give a horse to? I know John. Um, if I gave it to you yeah. and uh, you said, "Thanks, Chris, I've always wanted a horse. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to quickly check its teeth." Um, there is a reason why you would do that, and that is because an age is in, uh, age is in, is indicated in the in a horse in horse's teeth. Right. You can tell that's how you can determine a horse's age by oh. looking at its teeth. Like the rings on a tree stump. Uh, similar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's something to do with the way they wear and all of that. All of that kind of. I'm not a vet. Okay. In the same <laughs> way as I'm not. <laughs> you know, there are lots of things I'm not. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so if I were to give you a horse, and um, you started saying, "Thanks, Chris, but I'm just going to check its age," mm-hmm. I'd consider that rude. Oh, I so see. So you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Oh, I've completely mis misinterpreted, misunderstood that phrase. I thought the idea was that if you looked a horse in the mouth, it would bite you. No, and well, it, it, probably, was... it may well do. <laughs> it but... depends. How... Yeah. yeah, depends how bitey it is. <laughs> Don't look him in the mouth. He will bite. Um, I always, yeah, I just assumed it was one of those, like, just just be happy. What, well, I suppose it is the same thing. Be happy with what you're given. But also... Yeah. If it's a gift in particular. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird, though. Yeah. Because if you just gave me an aged horse and I just accepted it as thanks and it was, like, old... Like, if you had a dog that you were like, well, it's probably on his last legs, I'm going to give him to someone else. Yeah. Like, How old is he? Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you ask that? Yeah. That was a gift. I, I think this, I think it's, I think the, the reason for that is that it's not immediately uh, obvious to, to um, your average person. When you, when you look at a horse, it's very difficult to gauge their age, isn't it? I'd say so. Um, and so that's you know so um, so if I was to give you a horse, mm-hmm. and I've not said to you, John, I'm going to give you this really old horse. It's knackered anyway. It's going to it's <laughs> going to be died. It's going to die next week. Yeah. Um, but I can't be bothered to take it to the vet or the knackers yard or the you know have glue factory down or whatever or the glue factory <laughs> or any of those kind of places where they deal with decrepit horses, <laughs> dead <Yeah>. horses. <laughs> um, if I were to give you that, um, and uh, you um, and you were to start looking at looking at its teeth, mm-hmm. then uh, then I think, well, that was a gift. You know, how dare you? It's a bit like asking for a, the price tag to be left. Or can I have actually the modern day equivalent of it is, can I have the receipt? Mm. 
So I bought you something really lovely there. I put a lot of time and energy and thought into that. Mm-hmm. I've considered how that how that um, how that horse might suit you, how it will fit in your flat. That all of those all of those kind of things. And you immediately start looking at its teeth. I'm thinking to myself, "What? Well, how dare you? That's you know, that's that's a gift. It's quite rude." It, it kind of does make the assumption that I would check its teeth whilst you're there, because the other assumption is you're just giving me a horse, which, who was trading in horses? <laughs> Not even trading, giving horses. Like this feels like some kind of aristocracy madness. <laughs> Got you a horse. Oh, cheers. And I just accept it as that's fine. But the origin of the phrase goes back to pre-internal um, combustion engine, I, I, I guess. When Which is what I would argue makes horses more valuable. So the idea of giving someone a horse is a pretty substantial gift. Therefore, don't, don't, look, in the, uh, don't look in their mouth to see how old they are. All right. And I've seen a vet do this. I've seen a vet use a rasp, a thing about that big, with serrated... <laughs> About about sixteen in- inches. Sixteen inches, okay. Um, uh, and rasping down um, teeth because they. Oh I, I yeah. I think horses' teeth grow, and the way that they they definitely grow. They yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they continuously grow like a rodent. Um, yeah. I think the way that the uh, or I seem to remember that the vet did it by holding the horse's tongue to the side of their mm. side of their mouth to stop them closing their closing their jaws and biting. Because if you ever get a bite off a horse, I have oh, one yeah. bite me on the backside one day, and oh, they colossal, strong teeth. I've seen a horse getting its teeth clean. It had a full-on brace, and it was like it was like watching someone saw an, a mighty oak with Bru- a hacksaw. Brutal, isn't it? It is brutal, yeah. and the horse just takes it because yeah. you know that that horse didn't want to be there. It's out, mm. madness. Yeah. This is such a fascinatingly. <laughs> weird episode of a breakfast podcast and i know i keep saying it and bringing it back to it maybe people are going this is great <laughs> i don't even care about the breakfast it's random talking isn't it's it? brilliant uh <laughs> but let's <laughs> let let us focus back in yeah let's do that so all right so we're talking about the sausages um do you feel that they are sausages that are worth shouting about in terms of some kind of unique selling point or are they just they're they're quintessential and and they're perfectly serviceable good sausages they are solid foot soldier sausages okay um they're not medal winners mm-hmm. um equally they're not uh, they're not they're not uh, ones to be insulted mm. they uh, they performed a function yeah uh, they were perfectly tasty um i i have no complaints mm-hmm. they um they did what they should have done. Mm. Did what they should have done. Yes, they did what they uh, what they needed to do. They they stood up when others sat down. Yes, they yes. spoke up when others stayed quiet. Yeah, they they did their duty. They were worthy. Yes, worthy sausages. Mm. Um, not medal winners, as I say. No, they are they're consistent. Yes, that's it. Then they're not chasing glory. They're they're not going to be Time Magazine's Sausage of the Year. Certainly not. But throughout the year, they're going to be there. In not in the shadows, because that makes them sound dis disgenious, which isn't a word. You just made that word up, didn't I you? I did. Yeah. Sometimes I like yeah. to do that. I like yeah. to throw in a word that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, I've done it 
eight times Shakespeare, thus far. Shakespeare, and, uh, Shakespeare did it a lot. He did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Any one of his potential beings that he... I'm just... <laughs> I'm thinking... One half of my brain is thinking about sausages and trying to make an analogy yeah. that is ridiculous. And now I'm trying to think about Shakespeare. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Yeah. Um, my... My point being that the the sausages. <laughs> Sometimes I hear myself talking about this, and I go, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> um, so they're good sausages. Yeah, they That's were. It. They they were fine. They're, Plain they're, and simple. Yeah, yeah. No, a solid uh, no, no complaints. No, no complaints. complaints. A solid sausage. Absolutely. Um, how, how did you feel about the uh, the ramekin of beans? I know this is a bone of contention occasionally. <laughs> that's a bone of contention um yeah i i just steadfastly uh stand by my point that a ramekin of beans is unnecessary i think for one keep the plate warm because a cold plate on a full english is a death sentence and i'm not saying it's the a plate... crime what is it the, the, the plate does not need to be boiling warm i don't want what is a phrase that I'm so used to for my entire life, which is if my dad was ever cooking for me and my brother at home, he would put the plates in the oven at like 200 degrees <laughs> for God knows how long, like 40 minutes. And then he put it out, put it on the table and be like, plate is hot. And the thing is, he wasn't joking. If you touched the plate, you would burn yourself. Mm. And it was so unnecessary. Like, if you put beans on that, it would cook them. You yeah. didn't need to cook the beans beforehand. Yeah. Right? That's not what I'm saying. That's wrong. That is wrong. That's dangerous. But yeah. I want the plate to at least be warm for, let's call it, 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? And I'm not expecting it to be, you know, very warm by the end of that 10 minutes. But I want to know if I've had 10 minutes where the plate is helping keep the breakfast warm. Yeah. Uh, that, that should be, unless you're eating salad, yes. then um, a plate should always be warm. Or cereal. Or cereal. <laughs> or anything else that you eat cold. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, don't, uh, don't, uh, yeah. It, it, war- I like a warm plate. I, I had uh, an ex-girlfriend at one point who came round to my house when I was just eating some food before we were going to go out. Uh, and I pulled a plate out of the oven. And she goes, oh, you're doing what you do for a roast. And I was just like, as if... You, that's an exclusive mannerism <laughs> to warm a plate for a roast is fine, but did, for did you educate the lady in question? I broke up with her. Yeah, I think that's fair. Immediately, it's proportionate. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. a man on the edge at that point. Yeah, uh, it's not the uh, exclusive uh, <laughs> exclusive just... rights to a roast to be served on a just, warm plate. It's just the idea that that's a mad step. Like, yeah. what are you doing? That's for roasts. When we have a takeaway. If we have a curry, last Friday we had a most fantastic curry, and um, um, I put the plates. We got back from got uh, uh, from the uh, restaurant, um, and I put plates in the oven, mm-hmm. which one and a half minutes, two mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, sorry, not in the oven, in the microwave. Okay, because yeah. it do, it does it effectively does the same job. We do, and we didn't have the oven on because we were having a takeaway, and. Um, I always warm the plates, and if and we do the same for oven fish and chips. I sometimes eat fish and chips out of the paper, but some. But my wife, if you're going posh, 
then if, yeah plates. my my wife prefers it on a plate so I tend to tend to go along with it so but we always put um but we always put the or I always put the plates um in the microwave just for a minute because it well it stops the food going going cold so quickly hmm. and it and especially if you're eating something like uh if you're eating pasta for example that 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 can lose its heat quite quickly. Oh, massively. Mm. Especially anything where the contents of the plate aren't being moved around too much. Yeah. Pasta's a great one. If you've got quite a lot of pasta, then the pasta at the bottom yeah. might be staying there the entire meal until you get to it. Yeah. And if the plate's cold, then that pasta will be cold by the time you get yeah. to it. Oddly so enough, my wife... I've, I've been and I've been with my wife for the best part of 20 years. We've... Uh, and I've consistently warmed plates during that time. And... It's not a habit that I've ever managed to uh, to foist onto her. Foist. Yeah, she just she just. It's I think she's bad. more interested in just getting the plate on the food and getting it inside her. Yeah. Um, whereas I I yeah I just What's I just really like it on a warm plate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's odd because she won't listen. She won't be listening to this podcast. When I say she won't listen, that makes like, makes makes it sound like she's completely refused to. She hasn't completely refused to. It just won't come onto her radar that her husband is doing a doing a and, and has been doing a podcast with a with a friend. Well, she hears you enough. I think that's probably the reason why. I think it's a I think it's a fair comment. The, the, I'm uh, going to spend time away from you, listening to you. No, that's a good point. <laughs> I'd never even thought of it. Uh, in fact, I don't always listen to these podcasts myself. <laughs> Have I made I made that confession in the last one, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Before we started recording these ones, I was like, "Listen to the other podcasts. Let me know what you think." And he never I did. did. I didn't actually. That's to this a, day, you haven't. It's quite, it's quite bad, isn't it? It's really bad. Is it rude? Yes, it is. I guess. Shouldn't look a free podcast in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Never, <laughs> never buy a podcast in a poke. There we go. <laughs> Another new one. So, to my point, I don't think a ramekin of beans should be necessary because often the ramekin of beans is warm yeah. because they're trying to do the exact same thing that a warm plate should be doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I understand that, but I just think it's unnecessary. It makes the the act of scooping it out more cumbersome than needs be. So I'm sco- I'm already tipping it out. Uh, if the plate is warm, the ramekin is gone. It, yeah. it doesn't need to be there. Uh, and I just feel aesthetically... I don't need a pristine looking breakfast. I don't mind beans touching the um uh the Do you wanna have a look at a picture of a of a breakfast? Thank you. Um I've just completely blanked <laughs> the word for the characters on stage. Yeah. We'll say. Yeah. I don't mind them interacting with each other. Okay. I don't need them to be separate because often the the plate that we're eating on is a white plate. Which yep. just um, accentuates the space in between them and the potential coldness of the plate. So have them all together. It's a good time. I'm going to be mixing them together. So you know. And this is in spite of the title of our um, of our podcast. Okay. Yeah. So the only justification for that is beans and egg. Yeah. If the egg isn't cooked right, yeah. can mix in an unholy matrimony of of slime. Okay. Really, yeah. It's the only way of saying it. Uh, yeah, or a good egg will negate that, yeah. but uh, but not always. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think as aesthetically, you can have beans touching sausage, which sausage touches egg. 
So placement still matters, but I'm just yeah. saying they don't need to be sectioned off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get there's no that. social distancing on this breakfast. There isn't. No, no. Um, there's no sausage distancing either. Um, <laughs> you put. I, correct me if I'm wrong. You put all of your beans. You 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 immediately rendered the um, the ramekin. Oh yeah, I retired surplus it. to requirement. Yeah, I retired yeah, the ramekin. See, I, I didn't. I put mine a respectful distance away, mm. and then. I, I put a certain amount of beans on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, it kept it neat. Yeah. And then I went back and I put some more on. And then finally, I think I did it in three tranches. I <laughs> Have you bought a word-a-day calendar or something? And you've just <laughs> been studying all night. Here's ten words that I reckon I can fit in. <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? Does. It does. Uh, but I very much enjoy it. Um <laughs> I will concede that I saw you doing this, and I thought that was a smarter way of doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm quite boisterous. I uh, yes, there's there's a practicality to it. I am almost obsessed by the idea that the breakfast should be how I like it to be, and I will eat it in a way that maybe makes it worse than playing the game of going bit out at a time with the ramekin. That will keep it warm, but then. Then that's a thing I've got to do. I've mm. got to keep going back to the well of beans, yeah. and I just want to go. Boom! It's on. We're gone. Fair let's, enough. Let's go for it. And I, you know, I think I think both methods have got merit. Mm-hmm. I think it's really a matter of, matter of personal choice. That's true. I quite I I quite like having to you know um, I quite like putting putting the beans on because then uh, the uh, as I'm eating the sausage, then we're you know I'm I'm because the be- beans and sausage are such good bedfellows mm. that um, it just seems it just seems right to do that. Mm. It's it's odd, isn't it? Because just looking at that picture, I can see um, all the components of the uh, of the breakfast, and yet certain certain bits of that breakfast go together better than other parts. Mm. And uh, in spite of them all being on the same plate, and there's no social distancing. Notwithstanding all the things that you that that you've said, which I which I completely agree with, um, the bacon, the egg, and the mushrooms are natural bedfellows, mm. and the uh, the beans, the fried slice, and the sausage are very much the same. It's interesting because that's a matter of texture consistency, as far as I see it, which would be. Uh, as you said, beans, mushroom, and egg are are soft on the palate. Whereas, even though obviously a sausage is is relatively soft, if it's got a nice crispy skin on it, mm-hmm. there's that. Same with bacon. Bacon can be quite uh, quite crispy, and the fried slice is crispy. Yeah, it's crispy incarnate. Yes. Um, and it's interesting that they should go so well together. Yeah. Which brings us brings us on to let's talk about crispy things. Uh, two hash browns. In a previous podcast, I said that that was too much for me. Yeah, I do stand by that. That is the litmus test of what is too much. But because I didn't have toast, yeah, I didn't mind. I think more often than not, I would go with two hash brown and no toast, <gasps> which is it's yeah, controversial. It is that. controversial. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just because. I I do that thing of when there's food still to be eaten, I get quite a strong impulse that I have to eat it. Like it's like a it's like pizza theory mm. of you can have one slice of pizza and you know that that was more than enough. You're absolutely fine, but you'll keep eating. Yeah, 
and you'll eat in excess to the point where you feel very sick. Yeah. And that's how I feel about toast sometimes is because there's oh, just one extra slice of toast. I feel the same about barbecue food. Mm. Under normal circumstances, um, cooking indoors, for example, and preparing a meal indoors, would you feel it necessary to eat a chicken breast, uh, two sausages, and a burger? It's crazy. It's 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 uh, it's beyond ridiculous. It's and yeah. Yet we do that on a regular basis. Um, we we eat insane quantities of meat, mm. um, and often some some griddled veg and that kind of stuff as well oh and oh yeah should we have some jersey royals with that yeah we'll have a few jersey royals with that and then oh what about some uh what about uh, we'll have some salad with it oh yeah do you want some coleslaw with that and we must have some bread too it's five million calories it's ridiculous yeah it's an absolute banquet for dinner but i do it oh yeah we all do it yeah well i don't haven't got a barbecue (laughs) but my friend does Okay, so well, that there. almost qualifies you. It does, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm at least part of the party, even if I'm not hosting. Absolutely. I'm a guest. Yeah. Um, Do, how many hash browns were left on your plate at the conclusion of this breakfast? None. Okay. Yeah, because two hash browns, I'm dusting that off pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were nice. Uh, they were good quality hash browns. They were because nice, yeah. It's funny because I think some people who are onion-inclined probably love hash browns with a lot of onion in them Hmm. whereas i think that's disgusting and uh quite frankly get away from me with your oniony breath (laughs) um but likewise you can get hash browns that have such firmly diced bits of potato in them that it almost tastes like onion it's almost got the consistency of like eating an onion where you feel like you're going through layers of skin Mm, yeah um so it can be very hit and miss for a hash brown, and whereas I feel like the the ones at Colleen's were were fantastic, I they were really, really nice. They were they were light and fluffy. They were properly cooked on the outside. I hate a pale mm. sort That's of insipid yeah. hash brown. Doesn't feel cooked. That when you you put a, put a, a knife through it and it just kind of collapses. That's horrible. Mm. So these had a bit of crunch on the outside. Do you know it's you wouldn't imagine that something so simple and this is a processed food i'm you know i get that um that I'm, i don't imagine that they were out the back preparing fresh hash hash browns um so they would have come from a freezer packet almost certainly mm-hmm. um but it's dead easy to get them wrong mm. um and that can that can really cast a shadow over over the over the rest of the ingredients but they were good here but that's my point for this entire podcast is that every single ingredient even though they're not necessarily like some well they're definitely not some gourmet process it's so easy to get them wrong yeah which is why you can have such such uh, diverse breakfasts around the island and even a consistent breakfast which is like oh that was nice you don't realize how bad that could have been mm. if if they just hadn't been paying attention to it yeah you know like all you have to do is cook one yourself and realize when you're trying to balance everything and you've got beans that stick into the bottom of the pan. You've got bacon that's um, that's burnt. Toast that you've done at the wrong time. Yeah. It's, it's all those things. And then and that's before you even come to a beverage. Exactly. You got to because you've got to have a hot beverage. Yeah. Um, even if you had an uh, an aperitif. Yes, I did repeat that joke. <laughs> Just um, the ones in the back. <laughs> um, yeah, if you've had a, if you've had if you've already had a cup of tea, then you definitely need another one. Mm. Um, uh, but this yeah, there was plentiful tea mm-hmm. um, on display at Colleen's, and mm-hmm. that was uh, that was that was good. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was a good breakfast overall. Well, there's one one unique part that we haven't spoken about, particularly, which is the fried slice. Very good point. Now, I neglect. I will say that I very much enjoy a fried slice, but it says something when I have the diet of a petulant 12-year-old, <laughs> and even I find fried bread to be excessive. So I won't go to that. I won't go there very often because I know that that's specifically bad for me. We're talking a single, a single triangle of bread that consists of the fried slice. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not a massive fan. I think we we have discussed this um, mm-hmm. previously. I'm not a massive fan of the fried slice. So the 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 fact that I ate this fried slice with relish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean the little flavour stuff on the side, just with enjoyment, um, was um, was testament to the way it was cooked. It mm. was lovely. It, was, it wasn't it was oily and greasy. Yeah. It was crisp, mm-hmm. um, but soft in the middle. Cause, sorry, yeah. Continue. And with, with the beans and sausage, uh, just great combination. Because mm-hmm. I find there's always that issue with anything that is that oily and greasy it can start to smell and taste like fish. I don't know if you've, you've ever experienced this, but like just fried fried food of a certain variety can just begin to start to smell like fish. Yeah. And if it starts to smell like fish, then that's in your head. And it's just because a fried slice is inherently so oily yeah. um, that to cook it well, to get rid of that, is the art form of what we were just mentioning before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so this- I think they nail it. I th- I think it was absolutely bang on. It's, mm. it, it, whenever it comes as an option, and some I know some places you go, you and, and particularly for buffet breakfast, so mm. you know, yes, um, I'm inevitably pass. Mm. Um, but it was part of this breakfast, and purely in the uh, in the name of science, I thought I'd better have it on my plate, yeah. um, as in the science of making a podcast about breakfast. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd you know go for it. Um, and was actually pleasantly surprised after the after I cut into it for the first time and it didn't leave a residue of residue mm. of oil. I thought to myself, actually, this is this is really rather good. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, continued to eat it. I wouldn't have hesitated to jettison it had it not been um, up to scratch. Up to scratch, yeah. Because mm. you always kind of get confused on how much you should put on a fork because it's. It's almost like you're dealing with a, another hash brown. It's yeah. how much you should necessarily eat per mouthful, not a slice of toast. Yeah. Uh, which will throw people through through a loop. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got to be clever with this kind of stuff because, again, whilst everything else on the plate is not great for you, the fried slice is definitely out to get you. Yeah. You got to respect it. Yeah. You, you bite can almost it, listen it bites to your, back. You can almost listen to your arteries furring oh, up yeah. whilst you're eating it. But this is my point. By, by the point of eating two hash browns and a fried slice, I don't need bread as well, yeah. which is inevitably going to do the same thing, but a little bit slower. Yeah, I was a greedy boy and yeah. and polished off three, not three whole slices, no. but three triangles, so three half slices mm-hmm. um, for pudding. I think the third one was probably excessive. However, I didn't eat again then until the evening when I had a, a health-giving curry. That's another factor, isn't it? Is are people having a full English for then to proceed lunch and then dinner? 
because I was the same. I don't think I ate anything until the evening yeah. as well. I felt quite comfortable, which justifies the le- the lethargy yeah. that you get immediately afterwards. Yeah, we're like, oh boy, I could go to sleep. Yeah, you power through that because you're a human, and, and you have to. You have you to have go to, to work yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you end up, you get your second wind. Um, don't overdo it for lunch, you know. <laughs> a little bit of muesli, maybe, if, if you're so inclined. Did you? Uh, you didn't eat lunch. No, I no, no I didn't. No. Um, but by the evening, I felt very, very hungry again, and yep. I had another, another decent meal. Yep. And I think two meals a day for me is fine because I do. I often, other than when I'm going out with you, avoid breakfast. Yeah, just doesn't really do much for me. Mm. Um, so if I can keep my intake to two meals, then then I'm happy. Yeah. And that was that was exactly my way of thinking. Whenever we have, and when we have breakfast at breakfast at home, and, my, and I've I've mentioned before, my wife cooks an absolutely first rate breakfast. Mm. Um, we uh, we never we more often than not we'll have it brunch sort of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of ten ten thirty, and then that's that's more than enough until dinner at seven. That's uh, that's plenty plenty of time. And quite rightly, I mean, how, how many calories are in a uh, full English? Like, like we did last guess. week, uh, several, several thousand. I, I would have don't thought. deign to know. No, no that, which is why we uh, we only eat them occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final thoughts on this breakfast. Then it was a good breakfast. It was. Yeah. Um, it 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 uh, it did. I don't think it reached the. Uh, I don't think it reached the heights. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tasty. It was well cooked, mm-hmm. well presented. Uh, we didn't wait forever for it, given that the cafe was quite busy. Mm-hmm. Um, Quick turnaround. Yeah, pleasant uh, staff. Yeah, pleasant staff. Uh, Nine pounds fifty. Okay. Yeah, I've I've remembered how much it cost. Okay, so Nine. it is the upper end. It's the upper end. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which th- you could argue opens it up to more criticism than if it was cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to think what we paid at the, the uh, Good Egg. It's nine pounds, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Fifty pence difference. Um, the I, I think they could, you know, it, it, it's nitpicking. I think the bacon could have been could have been cooked a little bit more consistently. Thought yeah. the eggs could have done with another with another minute. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I think one hash brown would have sufficed, but we can't criticize them for being over, overly generous no Vis-a-vis for that hosh, for that price brand. yeah, yeah. if you're going to stick with the price then you know more more is better yeah um but if you were going to go we're going to make the breakfast cheaper vis-a-vis get rid of one hash brown yeah i'm going to go yeah fine yeah. um fried slice is nice because that, that's not a standard it's not always a standard part no. of breakfast um, and just a really lovely little basket of toast and uh you know extra marks for the tea mm. the way the tea was because we both had tea, and there was uh, there was enough for more than two cups each, which mm. uh, well, that that's an important consideration for me. And I think when, like us, you're eating uh, during the summer months, where you can sit outside in the morning, it's it's maybe fresh, but it's still warm and pleasant. Uh, you are absolutely paying for. The location as well, yeah, uh, which is terrific. I mean, it was just exquisite. The um, the sun was 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 quite high at that stage. Mm-hmm. The um, the the literally looking across the road, um, the water, you know, the, and there were people swimming. Um, bearing in mind this is kind of 
mid September. Um, it was it was just it was just lovely down mm. there, and has um, I've, I've never gone off Grev the Lek. I think it's an absolutely lovely place. Mm. Um, so fantastic location. It's a fried slice of Jersey. It is a fried slice of Jersey. That's I like it. Uh, it is one of those places I'll consistently go back to, though, with caution because I'm aware of the fried slice. Yeah, I'll never, like you're saying, I'll never ask for it not to be on the menu. Uh, if if that's how it comes, that's how it comes. But uh, because of that, I am a little bit more cautious. Uh, and also, it's a bit of a mission to get to sometimes. So yeah, you know, it's a nice event when you take yourself there. Yeah. Um, I think if I lived nearer the area, then maybe I'd maybe I'd go more. Um, but yeah, solid breakfast. Solid breakfast. Two, Very good. Two thumbs up for me. Yep. which is our new scoring system. Yes. I give it eight sausages <laughs> on a metric of some more sausages. <laughs> eight sausages. Okay, eight. so one pack? Uh, yes. Okay. One pack wrapped in plastic, yep. fake butcher's paper yep. to sell to the people the gullible people the gullible people who don't know any better don't know their sausages absolutely chris thank you again for another fascinating trip across so many subjects it's a great pleasure um sorry i just got you off there sorry yes no no it's, please it, tell me it, more it was, about how much of a great pleasure it, it was. was a great pleasure um <laughs> and the uh absolutely meandering nonsense that we uh that we inevitably uh talk is uh, is part of the enjoyment for me let's hope it translates to the enjoyment of the listener let's hope so <laughs> thank you very much for listening to another episode of breakwater sausage uh i'm john and i'm chris and we'll see you next time